podcasting live from the 614 and the 858, the capital of the 17th state and America's finest city. This is another edition of the Robin Mob Show, a sports podcast with a little bit of attitude. And now your hosts, Rob Havner and Jeremy Lynch. Good evening. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, from Columbus, Ohio, and all points to the west on the west coast from San Diego, it's the Robin Mob Show, the only show on the World Wide Web, making the haters play the back while we stay up front like handicapped parking. Welcome to the I Can't Believe It's Been 10 Years of Eve edition of the Robin Mob Show. Good evening and welcome. And just to prove to you that that is not a joke, here is how we begin our little journey. So I went to the club. Put on a fresh white suit and the mini cups sitting on dubs. From the worldwide headquarters in Columbus, Ohio, I'm Rob Havner along with my tag team compatriot friend and of course fellow Capricorn, Jeremy Lynch. Welcome to the first edition of the Robin Mott Show. Coming to you from King Avenue 5, 945 West King Avenue, the official bar, sports bar and grill of the Robin Mob Show. It's our first one. We got some different stuff for you. It is what the future of sports talk is around the world. Now, now Jeremy, everybody knows Jeremy's last name is Lynch, which leads itself naturally to the, the nickname Mob. But in honor of Kelly Tillman, we said, screw it, we're going to do it anyway. So, Jared, we're going to start the show like I said we were going to. First, you got to tell everybody, how's the baby? McKenna's doing well. Um... You know, I'm not going to take anybody in the back alley and, and go lynch mob on them, but uh, McKenna's doing well. She's uh, about seven and a half pounds now, a couple months old, so uh, she'll be listening whenever she can. For those of you who don't know us personally, Mrs. Mob and Jeremy had their first child in November a little early, and, and thank God McKenna's doing well. We're going to be doing some charity work. And we'll talk about that at some point in, in the future so you can get down with that and help out. We've got a lot of good charity work that we're going to do that we want everybody who's involved with us to be involved with because you got to give back. Because the guys that know us have taken so much from the world. we got to get right with God at some point. You know what I'm saying? You ready? I'm ready. All right, let's start with it. Since they're the only sport on the planet doing a major championship, we're going to go down under. And my next ex-wife, or my first ex-wife, Anna Sharapova, or excuse me, Maria Sharapova Havner, the Anna, the Anna Kornikova with the goods, straight sets whooping. Were you surprised? Not really. I mean, the, I mean, Justine Anna was was hurt. She didn't really say anything until after the match with Sharapova. But anybody that steamrolls Anna in two in two sets, I mean, wow, we sound we sound a little different, don't we? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Here's what makes it good. <laughs> in the, the 10 years since we did the very first show, we did it. And those of you who aren't familiar, and I don't even know that uh, my lovely wife even knows this. Um, we did the first show at King Avenue 5 in our booth. And I call it our booth. I still do. Um, 
the Saturday before the undefeated Patriots played um, the Giants for the first time in the Super Bowl. And we just the a series of events that led to us doing that, doing this show. Um, Jay and I met, first of all, hello, Jeremy. <laughs> Rob Havner, how are you, brother? Ten years. My man, ten years. Ten years. Uh, Capricorn Strong. Uh, it's two guys we met just talking about sports uh, the previous summer. And uh, when Jeremy was working for the, uh, the local paper here, he'd get in late and I'd be at the Kinger late when he got there and he knew some guys that I knew. And then I didn't know how deep that went until <laughs> after we'd been doing a show a while and some guys that know my realtor, the guy who helped us buy our house, Mike McCoy went to middle school with me and my wife and graduated from Brookhaven with my wife uh, in 1991, like Jay and I did. And they, they just like, you sound familiar. You're the guy that does the show with Lynch. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, and then we got to talking and it's a whole thing. So Jeremy and I were talking at King Avenue five and, uh, Steve, the bartender says, you guys should have your own show. And we just sort of dismissed it. And then Jeremy says to me, you know, we could record it on my laptop. We could build a site. We just need a name. And we, you know, started drinking some beers. <laughs> always a good, always a good idea. You know, the <laughs> cre- idea creativity flowing, <laughs> liquid and, creativity. Uh, we thought the Rob and Jerry show sounded too much like Tom and Jerry the cartoon, <laughs> so we kicked that. Um, and Lynch and have, while it's cool, it, it lacked a certain thing and. And I, I don't know how, I just, I think I said it out loud, like the Robin Mob show. Because, you know, your last name's Lynch, and we know you like the Lynch Mob. And it just sort of stuck. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Uh, it just sort of stuck. And um, we kicked it around, and then we did that first show. And you can hear from the clip, we don't have headset mics. We're just doing it with the mic on Jeremy's uh, uh a lot of a lot of ambiance, a lot of ambiance, <laughs> a lot of ambient background noise. Because the place was packed. I remember that clearly. Yeah, it was packed, and we looked like nerds just sitting at you know talking to this to the laptop. <laughs> and then Jeremy goes, "How long do you think do you think we got a half hour?" We like, "Yeah, we'll be fine." And we went almost. I think we went like forty five minutes, fifty minutes that first show, and then uh, we put the laptop away, and then we went to last call. And uh, <laughs> uh, McKenna was a couple months old. She was really, really tiny then. And um, I was, it would have been January 2008. So I was three years away from finding true happiness again. And um, they still live here. Uh, <laughs> I, I did. A lot of, a lot of a things lot of, have changed. A lot of, a lot of things have changed. Um, exactly. Anyway, hey, so I wanted to ask you, um, you know, Mm -hmm. we've had 130 shows, or this is the 130th episode of the, uh, or edition of the Robin Mob Show. Um, I know, I mean, there are a million memories and and, uh, awesome moments. Was there a moment or a, uh, 
a segment that stands out for you um, more than maybe others? I mean, obviously, we reference a lot of them. Um, you know, they've become glossary terms. Um, <laughs> but it's a show term. <laughs> uh, exactly. It's like, you know, immediately, oh, well, that's, that's the going thing. That's gloss. Um, but is there, is there something, is there a moment where you were like, that was fantastic podcasting or radio or whatever you want to call it? <laughs> There's a number of them. Um, oh man. The night we wrote the, the Paul, the Paul Gasol song, because we, I would try because when I was a kid, I wanted to be a comedian. And I told, I, I said to Jeremy a lot that this kind of lets me be creative and act goofy. Um, like we interviewed Al Davis once. Oh, that was fantastic. Had, oh, that's hard. I did. Uh, On the uh, pipes for sure. Right. No, the worst one as I did, I worked a couple of weeks ago. I, I did Avery Johnson meeting Bill Clinton, which is fantastic. It's, it's great, by the way. <laughs> it's hard on my throat, but that night was good. The, uh, to the tune of Yamo be there two point basket by Pau Gasol. And that was <laughs> funny. Um, the last appearance we ever had from Reverend Rob, where you were practically under the table. <laughs> Cause m- most people don't know when you listen to that episode, uh, Jeremy's laptop froze and we couldn't, uh, couldn't get the, a garage band to restart. So we ended it with the end of that bit. And we laughed for a good 20 minutes and then we drank until two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the latter, the latter was just normal. (laughs) Right. But that one was good because I knew it was funny because as soon as I, I just started, if you listen to that one, if you go back and listen to that and I can't remember what number show that was, but if you listen to it, I'm really just reciting the lyrics to the George Michael song, Praying for Time, doing my impression of Arsenio Hall doing Reverend Brown from Coming to America. So it's, and the rich declare themselves poor, and most of us are not sure. Uh, we take our chances because God, unlike us, has stopped keeping score. And that's what got you was when I said, God, unlike us, has stopped keeping score. And that was, I wish I'd had video of that because Jay lost it. And then we got to that break. And once we stopped laughing, we just decided we would go to the bar, get a fresh one. And and then we took a, it took a break to get some air. And then we came back in and then we couldn't fire back up. So that just gave us an extra 40 minutes to throw down beers. And that was a good time. Um, I think when, when we're really fired up for a show, when, those those you can tell. Uh, I had a really. I love that you're bringing really this up because were. mine, I, I, the ancestral home, will always have a ridiculous place um, in the lore uh, of the Robin Mob Show. But we went. We started going to Meisters. Um, oh. I forget when. Um, Yes. Right after they opened, we they asked us to come, and so we start going over there for some shows in the you know the the Bat Cave, <laughs> the um, up top uh, where the darts, yeah, the, the crow's nest, yes, the crow's nest. Yeah. and there was a a venom filled 
um, segment on. Oh, the NFL segment the, of Meister. Exactly, yes. exactly. <laughs> where it was both from both sides. It wasn't just Dallas for you, and it wasn't just San Diego for me. I mean, both of us just lit up the microphone, and it was it was one of my favorite segments uh, and shows of of all time. That show exploded from that point because it was like we were both kind of in a spot where. Uh, each of us had come off a bad loss that previous week and we were sitting there and I, I remember clearly how it started. Cause I said, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to ask me the same question and you'll know what to change. What the hell's the matter with the chargers? And your <laughs> face lit up and you were just like, boom. And it was a super hot take. It was nuclear. And then Jeremy takes him in, he takes a deep breath and he goes, wrong with the cowboys and then and then i opened up a can and then i took a deep breath and we took a break and then there was a high five and then there were people watching us do the show and um somebody at the table right below us and tammy and i've been there a number of times like the first time that we sort of hung out and it was kind of a date when was we went there and we were sitting at one of those tables adjacent to it and somebody came up and bought us a round of shots. And then the rest of that show was just flawless. You, the breaks were good. Our rhythm was good. Our pacing was good. And when I listened, I listened to it the day or two later after you posted it. And I was like, that's the most fun we've ever had doing this. <laughs> oh, I agree. I, I totally agree. I mean, that, that one, I mean, there were, there were some, I mean, it doesn't take much to hit the button on either one of us. We know how to get the other one going, but that particular take, I mean, oh. in, in back-to-back piece, it wasn't even, it was the same segment and we just lost our minds and it was, it was awesome. Uh, really, really good, really good stuff. So that's one, that's one of my favorites. Um, yeah. Uh, 10 years. I mean, we've been through, a couple of you know live venues and um, a couple thousand did, couple uh, thousand you, miles now. We've had we've had guests on. Um, we did you stream. We, we did, did we we, we had video. We had uh, all you know. We've we've uh, dabbled in um, you know faces for radio. <laughs> hey, we're good looking. <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just messing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, uh, quite a run and the, you know, I'll, I'll take the heat on, um, the pace or the number of shows going down. Uh, you know, you move across the country and, um, you know, I'm on my second gig now, um, since being out here and, um, one of the t- pieces of technology that we were using to stream, um, Rob's audio into GarageBand um, went away and I'm like, now what are we going to do? And it took me a little while to find a back door to get that same technology working. And, um, but I'm glad, you know, we <laughs> blog talk radio. I didn't even think about that. We went through blog talk radio. We've had, you know, mm-hmm. we've been on iTunes a couple of times. Um, it's just, it's just been a, it's just been a fun ride. And I know you look forward to these shows and, um, I definitely do too. So, I hope everybody out there is listening um, and you're enjoying what we're doing. Um, I'm going to 
throw this out there before we head to break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, we'll break down the Super Bowl. But um, he's Rob Havner. I'm Jeremy Lynch. It's the Robin Mob Robin Mob Show, tenth anniversary special. Buy a shirt, people. <laughs> <laughs> Diet and exercise are never easy. Then again, neither is dying. Sadly, type two diabetes, heart disease, and stroke kill nearly a million people a year. Most of these deaths could be prevented. Please talk to your doctor about your risk for diabetes and heart disease. And if your doctor recommends lifestyle changes or medication, listen. The reason so many die is because not enough are willing to change. You can stop it, starting right now. It's your life. Listen to your doctor. Eat better. Get moving. Welcome back to the 10th anniversary edition of the Rob Moff Show uh, by Coastal uh, from the capital of the 7th, just north of the capital of the 7th state. I'm Rob Havner, along with my erstwhile partner and tag team compatriot, Jeremy Lynch. And of course, we would be remiss if we did not uh, also give a big note of thanks here on our 10th anniversary edition, our 130th gathering of the minds to the real stars of the show, Mrs. Martha Lynch. And of course, Tammy Havner. Thanks for letting us play together. You know, you don't want to play with us. <laughs> Absolutely. And course, Absolutely. And of course, all the pets. We got Annie and Joey here in the one four. Joey on the couch in his skull and crossbone sweater, and Annie is laying on her dog bed on the other end of the couch, straight cooling. <laughs> and we got. Uh, let's see. We got Maggie uh, chilling on the bed. And the the official cat, and we got Scarlet, who is the uh, the second, you know, like Ugga, you know, has numbers, and Ralphie has numbers. Right. It's the second dog on, on this show for for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she's she's kicking it. Actually, I just gave her some dinner, so she's uh, she's in post dinner coma. <laughs> Ours are just kind of in a coma. Uh, <laughs> she'll be she'll be looking to go out right after the show, so I'm on borrowed time. <laughs> <laughs> borrowed minutes. All right, let's get to uh, this. Is how the first show started. We uh, we introduced ourselves. We acted a fool, and then we started to talk about the forthcoming Super Bowl. So <laughs> deja vu all over again, all Yogi. <laughs> 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 uh, um. You said we were talking in the break. You called it a Jacksonville gag job. I think. I don't think so much as a gag job. I think it was it was a game that turned on a couple of plays. If they had been able to to capitalize on the tremendous play that Miles Jack made, if if they drive and get a field goal after that turnover just any points at all they're playing next Saturday or next Sunday, but they weren't able to, and you can't continue to give uh, TB 12 and and the dark hoodie chances. So, well, you um, go up, you go up 14, three, right. And 
then you have a million straight three and outs. And the the touchdown right before half, nobody's really talking about it, but it's actually probably the biggest drive and conversion. I mean, in this game, uh, you can argue that till the cows come home, but I felt like if Jacksonville could have held New England to a field goal there, made it 14-6 instead of 14-10 going into the break, it would have, you know, they would it would have been either a touchdown and a two-point conversion and or um well, basically, it would have for it would have been if things played out exactly the same. Then not that they would have, but in the second half, if you force a field goal there, you go into overtime, right? Uh, because they right. ended up winning by four. So, um, but they just it just felt like in the second half, Jacksonville was playing to run the clock out from the beginning. I mean, they got away from what got them. I mean, I know that there were some things that a turnover and. Um, you know, some fortuitous field position and, but they, they, they were cramming the ball down New England's throat. And then all of a sudden in the second half, it was like, well, we'll just run into the line twice and, and, you know, punt. It's like, okay, well, we knew Trestle wasn't going to work out in the NFL eventually. So why, why do we need to watch it against New England? I mean, that, that offense punt and play defense doesn't work against New England because if you give Tom that many chances, eventually he's going to find it. Even if he's on his third best receiver, even if Gronk's out, I mean, that's why this guy has five rings and, you know, he's going to be working on his sixth. I, I think, look, there's there's times in, in every big game, um, there's little, there's little hidden plays. Um, and, everybody's going to talk about third and 18 and deservedly. So sure. And one guy made plays and Blake Bortles. Listen, you say what you want, but the guy threw for 80 yards in the wild card win. Went into Pittsburgh. He actually played great again in against Pittsburgh. And, and you right. know what he played? If, if you would have said that the score, final score of flip, it was 24, 20, in favor of, of the Jags, he had the stats to, to say, okay, I won the AFC championship game. I mean, he didn't lose the game. Right. He right. just, he just I, didn't I win the he, game. And I think that's the thing with him because, you know, he's from a group of five school. I think he was overdrafted, but they were trying to just find anybody to play quarterback. And he had a couple of big years statistically because they were playing from behind so much. And at the end of the season, you're like, damn, he's you for 3,900 or, you know, 4,100 and, and, and 30 touchdowns and 11 picks. And then, um, he, he just started throwing picks. He, he went, you know, Vinny Testaverde for a couple of years. I still think, I think with the defense they have, Brad Johnson is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and so is Trent Dilfer. So, I think he's better than both of those dudes. So, Jacksonville, to me, the problem wasn't him in the second half. It was New England figured out that they had to chip the ends. 
So they chipped on Campbell and they chipped on the other side and Jacksonville stopped blitzing. Yeah, because they were gassed. They were on the field the whole second half. Well, we've seen that move. (laughs) Last February. Yeah. They needed needed to find a way to to continue to get pressure on Brady because that's the only way you're going to beat him. He's 40 years old and he might be the best quarterback who's ever played in the league. But he's a guy that if you get pressure on him, he starts to make mistakes. Go back to week one against Kansas City. Kansas City got a lead. They cut the dogs loose on him, and they beat the hell out of that dude. And, you know, Jacksonville in the first half, they didn't blitz a lot. They were getting home with four. New England adjusted. Jacksonville didn't adjust to the New England adjustment. And then conversely, first down into the line of people. And, and my wife asked me this all the time. Why in the hell do we help every level of football? Do does everybody's base run play 14 blast or 14 lead or 14 ISO, whatever you want to call it? Why would you run a 225 pound guy into a wall of humans? Why not do something that gets him to an edge or gets him to the outside somehow? And I say to her all the time, I would do that, but you know, it's just the way the game is played. I no, well, that's I think Jack. I mean, yeah, I guess, but that's that's a cop out for or, or a rationalization to protect the OCs. I mean, that's you don't. No one's holding a gun to your head saying run it into the back of your offensive line. I mean, she's right. You've heard the EP. Right. Both EPs right. are are smarter than the hosts of this show. Um, we know this <laughs> and. Um, Husband selections notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know they had they they can have one. You know they get to get a jail free card. They they can make a mistake. They're just stuck in it. <laughs> um, right. I mean, they, they they know what they got into. Um, right. I, I just uh, when you don't get. I mean, what are you trying to do the whole game? You're trying to. Uh, you know, when you're doing misdirection and when you're doing, you know, trying to keep the defense off balance, you're throwing on rundowns. You're running on pass downs. It's, you know, you're trying to keep them guessing and they're react they're reacting rather than, you know, dictating how things are going. As soon as they know what you're going to do and you don't deviate from, you know, traditional, well, this is how the game's played. They are go- the momentum is almost unstoppable at that point. I mean, it's three and out, ball back. Here we go. Even if they don't get a touchdown or a score, they're they're moving chains. They're getting field position. They're flipping the field. Um, you know, they're getting the ball back. W- what was the one kick return? I think they marched into. The- they got the ball at the Jacksonville thirty after the punt return. Um, and I know we're spending a lot of time. Here on the Robin Mob Show, he's Rob Havner. I'm Jeremy Lynch. It's the 10th anniversary special of the Robin Mob Show. Um, it is mind-boggling to me that we're we haven't even we're, you know we're 
15, 10 minutes into this this block, and we haven't even mentioned Wit Wiz and the massacre that happened in oh. in in Philly. Oh. But that's because there's nothing really to talk about. But so we'll condense that in, into a little bit. But to to put a bow on this New England um, Jacksonville game, it was Brady being Brady in the second half, and um, you know Jacksonville basically playing traditional go with the numbers you know don't lose the game rely on your defense but as we saw you can't rely on them too much you gotta you gotta help them out I mean they only scored six points in the second half that's not gonna cut it against Brady right and to you know just to put a coda on it you you gotta kill you you can't you can't continue to keep them in the game um now, ask, the ask, Atlanta. Game was, ask Atlanta. <laughs> right. Um, the NFC game was a lot different in the sense that um, one team got destroyed. Minnesota got the first seven, and then Philadelphia got the rest of them. Oh, I mean, it was hot knife through butter. That first drive, Case Keenum, nobody was even touching their receivers, running free. And I'm like, Wow. Is Minnesota just going to do this, and we're going to have a historic Super Bowl where the home the home team is actually playing? <laughs> um, and then, you know, the entire Vikings team ran out of the tunnel, went over to Pats and Geno's, went, "Hey, give me one wit whiz," and then one with Prove, um, and just sat back and had a huge cheesesteak. Didn't realize that there was you know three and a half quarters to go. I by the t- I was making dinner uh, during that game last week, and when I came down into the family room because our kitchen has uh, half a flight of stairs into the family room where our big TV is, and I looked up and I was like, "This is a beating," and then uh, the Eagles are in a flea flicker, and then the throw to from Foles to Alshon Jeffrey. Man, come on. <laughs> Just come on, dude. It, it, it was over right then. And so that sets up that's up you'll you'll like this. That's up uh the 13th rematch in Super Bowl history. It is tied for second with Dallas and Buffalo, San Francisco, Cincinnati, New England and the Giants, and Washington and Miami, because all of those teams will have met twice. The most off, most commonly played Super Bowl matchup is Dallas and Pittsburgh. That's happened three times. Um, Brady and Belichick, five and two in their previous seven Super Bowls. And this year, much like the last time these teams met in 2004, the Patriots appear to be losing both coordinators to head coaching jobs. That year it was Romeo Cornell to, I believe, the Browns or the Tech the Browns, and then uh, Charlie Weiss to the Golden Dome. Worked out well for both. Um, this year, it appears McDaniel to Indy and Patricia to Detroit. And here's another little nugget. The last time New England faced a coach making his Super Bowl debut as head coach, they lost 21-17 to Tom Coughlin and the New York Football Giants. So there's that. Uh, Nick Foles, who I just was talking about, joins us a pretty small list of guys. 
Georgia Aikman and Montana with back-to-back postseason games with a QB rating north of 100. And in addition to this, uh, where did it go? Brady, Tom Brady led the NFL in passing yards. The leader in passing yards uh, the, has gotten to the Super Bowl five times. How many of those guys have won the Super Bowl? Wow. Um, none? I'll give you – you are correct, sir. Thank Dan you. Marino, 1984, lost. Kurt Warner, 2001, lost to the Patriots. Rich Gannon, 2002, lost to the Buccaneers. Uh, 2013, Peyton Manning led the league in passing yards and 55 touchdowns, lost 43 to 8 to the Legion of Boom. And in 2007, TB12 and his 50 touchdowns, and they lost to the New York Football Giants. So he's the first one to go twice as passing yardage leader. He's 0-1 as passing yards leader. Interesting. So I, I, I came equipped as well. Um, so Nick Foles has started just three games during the regular season, giving him the third fewest starts by a quarterback who started in the Super Bowl. Name the two that have fewer starts in a regular season prior to starting in the Super Bowl. This is a layup for you, but... Jeff Hostetler and Doug Williams? That's correct. Two for Hostetler and Williams, zero, obviously. Um, The Eagles, this is a good one, are going to be the underdog for the third straight playoff game. The 1980 Raiders and the 2007 Giants are the only teams to win four games as underdogs in one postseason. Uh, name the three teams being the only teams to win exactly three as underdogs, like the Eagles would. Hmm. Basically, the, the team go, that – yeah, go ahead. I'm going to go with the, the 1998 Denver Broncos. No, 97 Denver Broncos. <laughs> really? Yeah, 85 Patriots. Oh yeah, because they yeah because they won in Denver in the wild card round. Uh, yes, eleven 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 Giants yeah. and the the twelve Ravens. Okay, so so yeah. th- those three teams also would be in the same position as as the Eagles. Um, name so Brady's going to look. He's he's looking to win his third Super Bowl in four years. There is somebody on the Eagles. There's two players on the Eagles who would. LeGarrette Blunt and Chris Long looking to win consecutive Super Bowls for different teams, joining Deion Sanders and Ken Norton Jr. Look at my man. (laughs) (laughs) My man. Ken Uh, Norton Jr. actually won three straight Super Bowls because two with the Cowboys, one with the 49ers, and he was on the 49ers team with Deion, and Deion left the 49ers and won one the next year with Dallas. Mm. So, yeah, that's a good one. Yes, Brady it, Brady extends his record. He'll be starting his eighth Super Bowl as a position player. Uh, Belichick, the two with the Giants. He was on the defensive staff for the '96 Patriots. Um, 
these eight. So that's 11. So he's been involved in 21% of Super Bowls all time. Wow. That's crazy. As either a head, head coach or an assistant coach. And just in case you haven't seen this already, Thursday night on the mothership, um, the two bills, the 30 for 30 on Belichick and Parcells, I've seen a clip. It looks baseball. So might have to check that out. All right, I think, uh, I, I, think probably, I will. Yeah, I had to commit that to some DVR space. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they. Um, I think it's, it should be a good game. The last time these two teams got together was a three-point win, uh, like New England's first three were. Uh, Super Bowls were. They're looking to join themselves from 2001 to 2004 and the Cowboys from 1992 to 1995 uh, and become the first team to win three and four years twice. (laughs) And I'm stunned in a lot of ways because as you listen to the uh, mob show, Lynch and half here with it by coastal style, um, we were, you know, you and my wife and I were all in the seventh grade when the bears beat the T out of the Patriots in Super Bowl 20. And then it took them 11 years to get back to the Super Bowl and then Favre beat the hell out of them. And then if somebody would have told you on that January evening of 1997 that five years later they would beat the greatest show on turf and then go on to miss the playoffs the next year and then win the next two, they Brady's playoff numbers. He started 27 playoff games. That's more than like nine NFL franchises, which is astounding. Um, I, I, somebody would have told you that night in January of 1997, that they were going to win five Super Bowls. You would have thought whoever said that to you was high on crack. Oh yeah, absolutely. Smoking big golf ball size crack rock. Um, I think, like everybody else, I'm, everybody's got Patriots fatigue. Um, but when you step away from it, and ten years from now, when you'll go, God, that was that was a hell of a run. I mean, think about in in the ten years that we've been doing the show, they will have won. They've won two Super Bowls in the ten years we've done the show. Right, they've lost two others, and they're playing for another. Yeah, no, and you know, I don't know if um, it's it's interesting that people do get fatigue of these dynasties. Um, I don't know if it's that you know you, you don't want to appreciate um, how good and consistent the Patriots have been. Uh, over that that amount of time, or you we as a society love to root for the underdog. Um, so and the Patriots have been at the top forever, so we just love rooting against them. Um, but in the um, in the entertainer and excuse me entertainment purposes only category of our show, which we like to bring up every <laughs> once in a while. Um, a multi-million dollar bet was placed on the Eagles 
uh, at MGM earlier um, this week. Um, and while uh, there was no official word from MGM on the exact amount of the bet, um, it was, they would confirm that it was multi-millions. Um, we've heard, according to sources, um, not that I know anyone in Las Vegas, or, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> it was reported it was $10 million, and um, it was uh, one of the largest reported bets in recent years in Nevada. They had to negotiate with the hotel. They couldn't just roll in and go, hey, I want to slap down 10, 10 large. Um, they had to negotiate that they would even accept it. Um, and it did move the line a full point. Um, oh, absolutely. If, if not more. The money line uh, moved uh, significantly as well. Um, and I don't know if they have dirt uh, or know something, um, but that's some serious, uh, serious huevos to um, lay down that kind of scratch. Um, on one team, it's not. A, it's not a prop bet. We're talking. Um, yeah, just, you know, let's just say that Vegas is looking for Patriot money. Let's let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, here's here's the thing, and 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 we we talk about this all the time because it's, it's fun for us, uh, entertainment purposes only situation. Uh, what was it? Uh, Mickelson bet the Ravens when they won the Super Bowl in two thousand. And he made a bunch of money. And uh, you and I were just like, man, boobs, cash it in. He had the Giants in 2007. Um, I, $10 million on a Super Bowl bet. Look, the I tell the story a lot. When Elway got his first ring, I had money to burn. <laughs> uh, I know a guy, when the Giants beat the undefeated Patriots, who paid for his honeymoon with the cash he made from the guys he worked with. And I was like, I asked Mikey about that all the time. I was like, what'd you put down? He was like, I put 1500 on the money line. I took him straight up for two grand and this, this, and this. And he made like almost $30,000. Wow. (laughs) I mean, after the big, of course, but um, he made a, he made scad to them. Um, I, this is one of the Super Bowls that I'm going to watch because it's the Super Bowl. I don't really have a rooting interest because one of the teams is in my division and I can't root for them. And the other team is the Patriots and I won't root for them. I, 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 I want to see, I don't have a rooting interest either. Um, I will say I would love to see the meltdown in Philly. Uh, either way, win or lose, it's going to be so sloppy uh, afterwards in the street. Uh, just the, you know, a proverbial defecation show um, that, <laughs> that, that will occur afterwards um, would be um, something, to, something to see. Um, Something to tell your grandkids about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was there when grown men were doing things they shouldn't. <laughs> In I the street, we were done talking about Hall of Fame Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, uh, we're, we're, are we in the C block? No, no, not yet. Um, 
No, so, uh, all right, so do you want to do predictions now or at the end of the show? Let's do them at the end of the show. All right, sounds good. Uh, so when we come back, uh, you talked about Mickelson just a minute ago. Uh, it's a good good time to segue into um, His Holiness uh, making a return at, at Torrey Pines. He, he's Rob Havner. I'm Jeremy Lynch. It's the Robin Mob Show. Stick and stay. Robin Mob Show. Think fast. In the short time it takes to listen to this message, a small flame can turn into a big fire. Several minutes more, and thick, poisonous smoke may have filled your lungs and reduced your ability to respond. Give it five, and your entire home may be filled with flames. Keep breathing. We've got you. Don't let your world go up in smoke. Have working smoke alarms and keep children three feet away from anything that gets hot. Learn more at usfa.fema.gov, because fire is everyone's fight. Welcome back to the 10th Anniversary Spectacular Lynch and Have on the Rob and Bob Show. Before we get into uh, talking about uh, the golf this weekend, on this date in 1959, Vince Lombardi was named Green Bay Packers head coach and would go on to lead the team to five titles in nine years. And they'll be playing for a trophy with his name on it a week from today. How about that? <laughs> Um, that, that is that great. That is uh, something. And one it's of the coaches, great... one of the coaches in this year's Super Bowl, uh, although completely different, um, could be compared to, you know, the someone great right. like like Lombardi. Uh, my favorite story about that is when Lombardi got that job. He had a team meeting, and Bart Starr gets home, and his wife Cherry says so. How's the new coach and Bart says, "Hun, we're gonna be just fine." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, you know, know what? I real quick, um, Bart Starr was only one of six quarterbacks now who posted a 130 plus passer rating on 25 or more passes in a conference championship game. Along with Foles, Ryan, right. Warner, Montana, right. Marino. Wow. How about Foles Good. and Bart Starr being in the same category? <laughs> right. When they brought up that thing about uh, the QB ratings last week, Joe Buck says, Troy, you're on that list. He goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. But uh, as, we tra- as we transition to pastels and putts, I've played golf. My broadcast partner here is an actual golfer. Um, everybody's, the whole world's all a, all a flutter. Tiger made his return to Toy Pines uh, this week and uh, made the cut, played four rounds, uh, two rounds of 72, uh, one round of 70, one round of 71, three under. Uh, so the 300. 285, I think my math is still good. Um, and you and I have been saying, if you've listened to this show, if you've followed us over these 10 years, we, Jeremy and I would sit across from each other at King Avenue 5. Oh, he's done. Oh, he's back. He's done. He's back. He's done. He's back. We did it so much that we just stopped talking about it. Um, we, you know, we had China. We had Opa. Uh, we had <laughs> chicklets. Um, 
<laughs> we had sex. Re- we had ass rehab. <laughs> oh god! <I> mean, <laughs> it's just like, dude. Here's my thing, and and Jeremy and I were just talking about this. He looks like he's figured out that he can still play, and because he was all over the place, he got to use his short game, which the last time we saw in a full field event um, earlier in the su- last summer at his event outside of DC, he uh, chili dipped a couple into the drink and you were just like, come on, this guy could have played left-handed and blindfolded and made the cut at every track from here to Kapalua. And now he can't do anything. And uh, you and I have had this conversation not just on the show, but when we're on the phone, Nicholas was right that his problem is mental. I think now he's in a spot where he feels good about where he is physically. Now I'd be interested to see if he's got himself in a situation where he'll play in back to back weeks. Um, yeah. I mean, he, is he scheduled not to he play until LA in a couple weeks? Yeah. Um, I think he's not playing for three weeks until, He'll take two weeks off and then he'll play in LA. Which is in a tournament he has played even when he was healthy uh, in quite a while. Um, so it'll be good to see him back. Is that the tournament at Riviera, I believe? Yeah. Um, so, first of all, before we talk about Eldrick, um, there was a tournament going on at Torrey, and Alex Norin ah! and Jason Day. Uh, went at it for 77 holes and couldn't decide a winner. Um, called to darkness. I mean, for those of you not in parts west of the Mississippi, it gets dark early here and worried about um, 545 max, um, being able to see a golf ball uh, without endangering spectators or others, um, or at least right now. So they decided to come back and, and crown a winner tomorrow. So they'll start their sixth playoff hole. Um, Jason Day, a Westerville, Ohio native, for those of you in the uh, 1-4. Um, uh, but uh, Tiger, I think he's probably healthy enough to play back-to-back weeks. Now, is he ever going to do that um, this year? Wow. I maybe um, only if it's back-to-back courses that he likes, probably. But you know, he's going to do his usual thing. You know, play, go home, fix a couple things, come back, play again. Everything gearing for the majors. I mean, at this point, why come back? Why do all this work if you're not gearing up for Augusta? um, You know, in in April, and then. the players in May, or actually, they moved the players to March this year, didn't they? I think so. So he'll be, he'll do the players, then Augusta, then the Open or U.S. Open. Um, you know, mixing in some of the Florida run, and um, you obviously don't want to push it. I mean, when you're talking about spinal fusion surgery, um. Well, there's no such thing as minor surgery on the back, but uh, a, a, a spinal fusion surgery like that, what was it, 
L5 S1, I believe. Um, Minor surgery is uh, surgery somebody else has. Correct, (laughs) correct. Um, It was good to see him, you know, activating his glutes for once. Uh, (laughs) And no, that's that's a shot. That's a shot at at him. Like the last time he played Tory or couple times ago he he withdrew you know did not finish and said his glutes weren't activating um <laughs> which was he couldn't get his glutes to fire yeah him. yeah it's because some some starlet was spanking him too hard the night before oh just stop just stop, <laughs> just stop. the players championship is actually may 10th through 13th okay so they have not moved it yet because i knew they were going to move it before um they were going to move it, and it was. I thought it was going to be before Augusta, but maybe not. Maybe. There's a there's a there's a situation that they're thinking of doing that in a year that I think they're going to have. Oh, is that the Olympic thing? I think so, but okay. I can't. I can't swear to that. Yeah, yeah. The players move to March is. Uh... Let's see when. What did they say? Oh, in nineteen it starts. So next year they'll start uh, next year. Okay. Yeah, yep. And the PGA well, and Championship look- will actually be in May. So it'll go yeah. the players in March, Augusta, PGA Championship, U.S. Open, and then uh, the Open Championship will be the 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 year's final. The major. last major that year. Yeah. That'll be weird. Yeah. Um. Uh, just. So you know, obviously the Masters April fifth through eighth at Augusta. U.S. Open is Shinnecock Hills June fourteenth through the seventeenth. Uh, the Open Championship returning to Carnoustie um, July nineteenth through the twenty second, and then um, the PGA at Bell Reve Country Club in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, August 9th through the 12th, so the week of my wedding anniversary. So, Wow, the PGA um, is in August in St. Louis? Yeah, that's not going to be cool at all. Swamp. <laughs> Dude. Oh, my God. And, and as per the huge, um, the uh, Tour Championship at East Lake, September 20th through the 23rd, and the Ryder Cup at Le Golf National at Saint Quentin on Yvelines en France. Uh, <laughs> Le 28 September through <laughs> 30 September. Because I can. In English for the rest of here. us. Um, also, my bad. Uh, September 28th through the 30th uh, over at Le Golf National Saint Quentin. Uh, event. Ryder so. Cup coming to Paris. That's nice. Um, yeah. What? So let life. me. It's because we're you're listening to the Robin Mob Show, uh, 10th anniversary spectacular. Um, <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> well, especially when you're dropping, you know, French on me. Um, what? We're not even in the D block. Um, what? Um, for old time's sake, and we we went over this like you said earlier. Um, we used to say this, you know, he's, he's done, he's, he's back, he's done, he's back. Judging from what you've seen in the both Bahamas and now in beautiful La Jolla, um, what, 
<laughs> Along the cliffs of La Jolla, California. Um, what are his chances to, I'm not going to say win, contend at a major? Is it always going to be Augusta? Well, there's a reason that Jack won Augusta at 46. The course never changes. Um, I mean, typically it doesn't change. They made it longer, but the putting surfaces are still the same. Um, the rough and the hazards are still the same. So you know what you're getting into. Um, I think for me, I would qualify successful return for him as the ability to play pain-free and finish tournaments, making cuts in the finishing. Uh, to me, wins would be bonuses. Well, how long? Because, but, but how long do you give him? Right? Because he, you know, okay, you you make cuts, you play four rounds, you you're pain-free, and you're t twenty-seven. You're you're the best player, second best player of all time. Um, how long is that even motivating? Like, oh well, you know, another another good showing on the weekend where I didn't implode, and you know, he he said something today. He said, I could, my feels were off. Well, I, I could go a, dot, a lot of directions with that, but um, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it on the course. Um, how a course like Augusta. You have to have your feels, to quote Tiger. You have, I mean, you're going to rely on muscle memory. You know, where do I hit this? How does this ball react off this slope? Um, where can I miss um, to get up and down if I, you know, don't hit a good shot? Um, if you don't have your feels, you're not going to be able to contend at Augusta, whether you're a newbie or not. I uh, I totally agree. Um... But the caveat to that, and, and, and you know this too, Jay, is we're old enough to remember watching Jack Nicholas win enough when we were in elementary school, start to age and not contend enough when we were in middle school, and then end up on the senior school when we were in high school. So we watched every now and then he'd, there'd be a flash like that weekend in 86, where it's a moment where if you weren't watching, your father came and got you so you could watch that moment because you had no idea when you would see it again. And you and I talked about this. Um, when, uh, when Watson contended at the British, what was it 2008? When, you know, he was, he was the guy that was winning all the time when Jack would make a run in the, in the late seventies and the early part of the eighties, it seemed like Tom Watson was a guy who was keeping him from winning more tournaments. And to see that guy contend, even if you weren't a Watson fan, you were pulling for him that day, even though Stewart is a tremendous guy, a tremendous player. If he makes that putt on the 72nd hole and wins, it would have been the best thing in golf that didn't involve uh, Augusta National in 1997. Well, well here's, um, the, here's the thing about Jack in, in 86 at 46 or Jack in 97 at 57 um, when he was T6 and, can, you know, trying to make a charge on the weekend. 
uh, or Watson at 63, almost winning the, the Open Championship. Those guys and their longevity and their swing, um, especially Watson's, allowed them to rise up at an advanced age um, against these guys that were up and coming, younger, you know, uh, in their prime, stronger, hitting it further. Um, now, I will say I was impressed with some of the carries that Woods had when he did hit it straight, but uh, where and his club head speed and ball speed are, you know, right there where he can he can still get after it. So, my question is: Is he going to be? I mean, okay, at forty six, he's already forty two. Um, he, he, I assume he'll be, you know, God willing, he'll stay healthy and, um, he'll be playing in four years, but, you know, I don't see him playing at 57. I don't see him playing at 63, even in the majors. Um, so your dad, he's got a condensed window. We have a condensed window to see the, the, you know, uh, the setting sun on on Eldrick, so he's got to get some things done in the next couple of years if if we're going to see these glimpses and and a return to to glory. I think you're right. He's I I think because we're a couple of years older than him, when he gets to be fifty or fifty five, and he sits down uh, during the Augusta telecast and he's up in the tower with Nance and and those guys and he thinks about it, he'll, he'll really regret, you know, taking it off the rails um, with his off the court infidelities, because that's essentially cost him a decade. You know, he, he went from, you know, he played 92 holes or 91 holes to win his last major on one leg, missed the rest of that season, won seven times the following season, uh, wrecked his car, got hit in, a, hit in the mouth, and it's not been the same. <laughs> I mean, we have made an abundant pile of jokes about chipped China and wrecking the Benzo. And then, you know, five drugs in the system when he got pulled over last year. Uh, my father, the official dad, uh, the official uh, <laughs> black the official black guy dad of the Robin Mom show, <laughs> Dad said something to me that when when he said it, it made me laugh, but it was true. He goes, he doesn't blame Tiger. He blames Earl. He said Earl should have taken his clubs and made him just be a regular dude. When oh, he was, you know, absolutely. 15, or uh, I mean, but, half of the behavioral you, problems that you see surface didn't just show up one day. I mean, they were manifesting themselves decades earlier when – you know, everyone else is trying to chase tail, at, you know, as a teenager. And, you know, he's pounding golf balls in the dark. I mean, it's totally Earl's fault. I mean, it was a good good and bad thing, right? He, not for Tiger, I mean, but for the golfing world. I mean, there would have been no Tiger Woods if it wasn't for Earl Woods. So, um. You know, you can look at it from multiple perspectives, but 
Yes. I mean, all of the the jokes that we've made about some of the indiscretions, it's all based on, you know, Earl Woods um, doing what he did to him in those early years. I And like I say, man, it, it, I, I think it, it kind of Earl Woods is to Tiger what Marv Marinovich was to Todd. I think both of the, those guys spit the bit in different ways. Todd's was recreational pharmaceuticals and uh, Eldrick's was pleasures of the flesh. And, and then, um, then pharmaceuticals. <laughs> right. So uh, I agree. Now, I, I, now with I, that I, being said, and all the indiscretions aside, it was great to see him on a, you know, he was five back at one point today in the round and people were talking about him put, you know, trying to get into a top 10 finish. And, um, that's, that was exciting. That was fun to watch. Now I know it was, he was never really in contention, but I'm glad to see him back. You know, I think absolutely sponsors are glad to see him back. Even guys on who are, you know, in the top 10 of the world, they're glad to see him back. They want to see these crowds. They want to see, he's the reason that the purses are so high right now. He's the reason that these guys have the life that they have. Um, living on the PGA Tour. he They also want him to get back to as close to his glory days as possible because they want to compete against him in his prime. They don't want to say, oh, well, it was you know, it, it was me against Tiger at, with an asterisk. Um, so, you know, it was great to see for the game of golf. I hope he stays healthy, um, figures out how to, you know, keep it inside of 60 yards right. Um, be- because his chipping was on point. His putting saved him. The only reason he shot 300 par for the tournament is because he was lights out on the green. You know, he's only won there seven or eight times, so he, he kind of knows the, the lay of the land. But hopefully, um, you know, this is just the start of something, and, you know, we could have some really awesome golf with the young guys that are out there, uh, you know, Spieth, Day, Thomas, um, you know, Rory, who is uh, hopefully uh, pain-free, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, uh, Fowler. I, I hope we, we get back into some uh, a different golden age of golf where we have, you know, 10, 12 guys that um, are making each other better. Um, and then, you know, l- letting the old guy um, have, have a little bit of a re- return to form too. So, um Anyway, enough about religious affiliations. Uh, we will uh, we will come back and we <laughs> we will talk some college basketball, maybe some pro basketball too. Um, he's Rob Havner. He's Jeremy Lynch. It's the Robin Mob Show. Ten years, baby. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. (laughs) <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> clear the deck. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rob and Bob show. <laughs> yeah. He's Rob Havner. I'm Jeremy Lynch. Um, it is the 10th anniversary of this bad boy. Um, great to be with you. Me from the West Coast and Rob from a coast near an, a river in Central Ohio. <laughs> the Midwest Coast, y'all. <laughs> by, by coastal. Um, college basketball. Let, let's talk about it. Um, well, yes, yesterday yeah. was really... I I, I want to let I kind of want to get out of the way here for you because <laughs> I want to hear this bracket stuff. Yesterday was an unusual situation. Uh, Allie LaForce did the Carolina North Carolina State game, drove the eight miles, and had Duke and Virginia, and both the home teams lost yesterday. It's the first time that both of those schools have lost at home on the same day in forever. Really, I think Noah was building an arc the last time it happened. Um. I think in all seriousness, it, it was maybe 2001 uh, during the Carolina 8-20 and 20 season that nobody ever talks about. Um, then yesterday was the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Mm-hmm. That, uh, which, which was kind of interesting. What do you think about that? Uh, what do you think about a mid-season challenge that where they go out of conference in the middle um, like that? Uh, I, I kind like of dig it be, yeah. because, um, you know, you, you know how it starts. Unless you're playing in Maui or you're in a, the PK-80 or some other high-profile made-for-TV sectional nonsense, um, well, particularly here, um, you get – Directional cupcakes, and then you know you're ten and two going to conference play, and your only two losses were to the only heavyweight schools you played so far. Um, I, I like it because it breaks it up because it's more like it gives you a okay if we see them on the bracket if we're six and they're an eleven, and there's not that much separation between the two of us, you know it gives you kind of a, a tournament tune-up in season, so. I kind of dig it. Yeah, I thought it was – I agree. I mean, I think the grind of a, a you know, 16 or 18 game conference slate, um, you know, sometimes you can get a lull in energy, you know, you, you, some of these games because you know the opponent so much um, or so well. It's not as good of basketball as you would see – you know, come March, um, where, you know, you only have a couple of days to prepare. Um, you know, you're worried, get, you know, it's winter, go home. Um, I, I, I like it. I think, um, I think rather than, I mean, if you, if you take the, take the big 10, you know, now, because, because, because they, you know, Delaney did another money grab, moving the conference tournament up a week where nobody's even going to know that there was a, to- a conference tournament being played unless, you know, you're in the Southland, the West Coast Conference, the MEAC. I mean, w- you, what are you doing? Just so, that, just so that you can play in New York um, for a TV market? I mean, it, it's 
Uh, okay, whatever. The State University of New Jersey is in the Big Ten, theoretically. Um, I just don't understand why you got to jam two conference games into December. You have the ACC Big Ten challenge, if you want to call it this year, that this year. Uh, I think it was 11-2 to or something like that. Uh, ACC dominated. Um, and then, you know, you got teams like Ohio State and the PK-80. Where so you had you jammed all of these high profile big time non conference games into a you know two week stretch and and then you know you go cupcake city and then you know right into the grind of of conference slate um, I think it, you if you spread that out and you could even do two of them you know a couple of weekends or uh, even midweek. I mean, we're, let's let's all be honest. We're not we're not worried about taking the student out of the student athlete title that these these players, um, you know, are given by said universities. But um, <laughs> I I'm down. Uh, I'm down with these. I think it it breaks it up. It gives you a little little preview of what you might see um, come second or third week of March. But I do want to get into some bracketology. Um, yeah, you you seem to be a little chilly's on warm. So. <laughs> the simmer warm's yours. Um, so you know, I, I I got a I got a brother in in Tampa now, and you know my dad is is here in SoCal, and you know the easiest way for us to communicate is is usually in you know group texts or. Um, you know, email chains uh, because of the different time zones, et cetera. And, you know, I give them, give them something um, early in the week, usually like something that I saw and, you know, it was like, what are you talking about? You know, just something that made me, uh, you know, kind of tilt my head like a dog who doesn't really get what's happening. Um so I'm, you know, perusing the mothership's website, and, um, you know, it's I, I got a trip to to Vegas coming up in, you know, less than fifty days. Um, so I, I click on bracketology, see what Lenardi's up to. You know, he's um, probably starting to earn his keep a little bit, and his bracketology as of January twenty fifth which is three days ago and like a day before Ohio State recently lost to Penn State on a buzzer beater. The end of game was ridiculous. Um, anyway, prior to that loss, um, his bracketology had Ohio State as a two seed. A two seed. Now, before I lose my mind, I will tell you that he has them as a two seed in... Villanova's bracket in the East, which would mean they're the worst two, and you know Villanova's the top seed as the number one overall. Doesn't matter. That means they're the eighth best team, allegedly, in his bracket. Um, they're not. Let me just tell you. Um, first of all, they have North Carolina in the same bracket as a three. Uh, excuse me. Uh, they played this year, and North Carolina won handily. Um, they also have 
Uh, okay. My only thing that I could even come up with is, and I have insider information about this, Xavier is also a two. Xavier is in a different bracket, right, in the south, according to Joe Lenardi. I won't even call him Joey Brackets because of this latest bracketology. Um, he's lost his title. Um, Xavier and Ohio State played in a preseason game. My cousin plays as a preferred walk-on at Ohio State, transferred from Air Force. They needed depth when Holtman took over. He was a warm body who could play some hoop. He transferred. He's on the team. So I get, I get some, you know, occasional information inside the building. I, Xavier and Ohio State played a preseason game. Uh, scrimmage, you know, not open to the public, blah, blah, blah. They didn't have Blewett. They held him out for whatever reason, their best player. Um, but, you know, the, in these scrimmages, they keep score. It's running clock. You know, fouls are called by each team or, you know, it's not it's not a ref game, but, you know, they keep track of stats and points. And, and Ohio State won, allegedly. Now, nobody has that info. I'm sure Brackets could get it if he wanted. Um, but that's so far down the line of how do you put Ohio State as a two. They won nine straight conference games prior to the loss to Penn State. They have he has Clemson, who also beat Ohio State handily. Uh, after well, Ohio State was leading in the game by double digits in the second half, but then collapsed. It was like they're they just came back from PK eighty, you know. It was like the Tuesday after that, and you know probably dead tired. They had three games in three days, and then doesn't matter. Clemson beat them. Clemson's a four. Butler, who also. Uh, beat Ohio State in overtime uh, by one is a nine. Ohio State is a two. They are two and three against the RPI top 50. Oh and two against the RPI top 25. Although Michigan State falls somewhere in between those two, depending on how you look at it. Um, and their road, okay, they they have, their road schedule non-neutral has been, you know, less than stellar, um, but they're 4-0, so they're getting all this credit for all this stuff that, you know, strength of schedule's 52, uh, opponent's strength of schedule's 59, their strength of schedule is, um, Overall, 33 if you count everything, including. Um, and they got this API or RPI of, of 24. All of these advanced stats, just like we were talking two weeks ago with, you know, baseball um, and all these advanced stats, it's, it's the eye test. When are we, we going to look at the eye test? I mean, thank God, and we'll talk about it in the champagne room, but thank God that Trevor Hoffman got into the Hall of Fame in baseball. But... Um, that was an eye test thing. You know, he had 600 saves. You, you watch a game, you see him dominate. You don't know how he's doing it because he's throwing it, you know, about the same speed as McKenna. But, you know, he... McKenna he, has better control. Well, yeah, exactly. She, she's, she's like Maddox. Um, the... I just have no concept of 
even if you just take, okay, here we're going to throw these 16 teams into a bracket, and then we're going to rank them. How are you ahead of TCU? How are you ahead of a Carolina, Texas Tech, Florida? Florida beat Gonzaga, who beat Ohio State by 30. I, 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 I'm at a loss for what was going on in his mind when he... I mean, <laughs> I would give you a three. They're AP number 13. All right. If you're a three, you're one of the 12 best teams. Okay. Whatever. You know, you're still going to meet up with a two in the Elite Eight. Um, what, Rob, help me, please. Explain to me how brackets had Ohio State as a two. I, I look at it like this. He has them as a two seed in mid-January, mid to late January. Based on what? I, based on the fact that probably that their, their marquee win is knocking off uh, number one Michigan State. Um, you get a, that win depending on what Izzo and those guys do the rest of the way may or may not be the difference between them getting like, are they a top five seed? Probably, maybe. I don't know that they're not one of the best eight teams in the country. There's no way. No, 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 no. And um, you know the crazy part is they have one good game left. They're only they're only. Top fifty game left, I think, is Purdue. Yeah, that's their last true road game. Who's playing possessed right now? Like Purdue is the best team in the Big Ten by a lot. And, <laughs> and by a lot. <laughs> and no, I mean, you know, Michigan pre- presents a matchup problem. Occasionally, I think Purdue or Purdue beat them by one at, at Ann Arbor and then um, got them by four or five. And you, you and I both know it's all about matchups. Um, um, so that that's a matchup nightmare for Purdue. But they, they got past both of them. Um, Ohio State will go to uh, Lackey, Mackey. Uh, wacky, whatever you want to call their arena, and we'll get hammered. And not in the Hall of Fame Saturday way. No. No, not in a good way. <laughs> the way we like to get. Uh, <laughs> so, so if you look at that resume, their best win is against Sparty. Their second best win after that is against, I don't know, Stanford? Wow. Who was 4-1 and one to start the Pac-12 and, and now is not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I was, even with the, all, of this, all of these wins that they were piling up, I'm like, all right, they're probably an 8, you know, 8 or 9 seed, maybe a 7. They could sneak into a 6 if they went out. And then all of a sudden, you know, Armageddon happens, and I see them as a two seed and just was driving around like wrong side of the road, had no idea what was happening, asking people where I was, what day it was, (laughs) 
Why is there a, a fireball in the sky? <laughs> Just I, lo- lost my way. I, it has, he has a way of settling himself down. Um, he does. Two years ago, two years ago, we had um, the beginning of championship week. He ended up, he had 60 of the 68. Which is fairly impressive. Yes, um, I think I, I think that um, I they're a top six seed to me. Uh, I believe they're amongst the top thirty teams in the country, so that have them to me no lower than a seven. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm not. I, I'm interested to see who the one seeds are, because I think you're going to have to give Villanova is going to be the overall one, barring something calamitous. I think you're going to give, uh, at this rate, Virginia's getting a one. Yeah. They're undefeated uh, in the ACC, right? Right. And see, that's that's the other and thing. Then, I mean, this, this whole disaster, this, this whole ridiculous thing that happened with them as a two, like, blocked me from acknowledging that Virginia's having a ridiculous year. Purdue's having a ridiculous year. Um, you know, Texas Tech has grown men on its team. That They're, they're playing pretty well. You know, Pearl's, you know, about to vacate uh, another good season. Um, you know, there's some, there some good stories. Kentucky's terrible. That's a great story. Week of the six somehow is leading the, the 12 again, um, you know, despite all the, you know, the, saying that they're the best conference in the country. Um, there, there's some good storylines. Trey Young's a freak. Um, you know, uh, leave it in. The former leave it ends um, somehow are, are a six, uh, according to brackets. Um, Wichita State's starting a free fall. Um, there's there's some good storylines, um, and you know I was, you know, you just, were clearly waylaid. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, there is a story. There is a story about um, outside of college basketball that is affecting one of the teams that we just talked about, and uh, we'll we'll get to that in in the next block. Um, did you want to touch on, on pro hoops at all with the, with the silliness that is the all-star game and, and the way that they drafted and, and are creating teams? No, I'm, I'm just going to say this about the Federation. I think, um, everybody needs to slow their roll about the Rockets beating the Dubs. We've seen this from D'Antoni before. Seven seconds or less, it was outstanding from October to April. But the name of the game in the postseason is you got to get stopped. And I don't believe that the Rockets can get stopped. Um, they're busy chirping at, at Golden State, and that's fine. They got two rings in the last three seasons. You have two rings in franchise history. To quote, you know, the great and powerful me, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, we'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back and uh, we'll delve into uh, the more serious issues 
uh, affecting the landscape of college sports right now. He's Lynch. I'm half Rob Mob Show Stinson. The masquerade party he threw in 1987 is still taking place. He once won a dog show with a werewolf. Zombies have risen just to shake his hand. The only time he feels goosebumps is when he pets geese. Ghosts rearrange his furniture to be more aesthetically pleasing. He'll wear a mask, but he has nothing to hide. The raven quoth him. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly, imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, New York, New York. Stay thirsty, my friends. All right, the D, the D block, the champagne room edition of the 10th anniversary of the Robin Hood. Oh, wow. I, before we, let's handle, let's handle our professional responsibilities first. <laughs> and, and, and then we'll get into, uh, get into what we usually get into here. As you are made aware, Larry Nasser was a uh, former Michigan State uh, athletic uh, department trainer and affiliated with the gymnastics team in USA Gymnastics. Got a he got a, what the guys at the barber shop are referring to as hood time, and that's me cleaning. <laughs> that's me cleaning it up. That's from Richard Pryor back in 1975, referring to justice. For those of you who don't know, you can like follow. <laughs> you can follow Rob's getting a fade <laughs> on Facebook when he checks in. Uh, uh, where he acts a fool with 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 the boys down at uh, the shop. A cut of other rest. Exactly. They wanted us to do a show in there. Oh, uh, love! I, w- I would actually fly back to Columbus to do a show with him. <laughs> we could. That would be um, fantastic. Oh man, we'd take a card table in there, uh, mm. a couple of Gatorades, and just go. Um, it, this thing is troubling to me uh, for a number of reasons. Number one. Um, and I'm just going to say this, I, I don't have kids of my own, but I have friends like you and uh, Maverick and Tom and, um, Perez and Ray who have daughters and, and this type of thing aggravates me on their behalf. Um, my late grandfather Tex used to say, if he did something to one of my girls, they should cut it off and you should have to walk around with it in your hand uh, as your punishment. I just, I don't understand. It's, to me, it's, it's one of those things that they say about politics. It's never the crime, it's the cover-up. No, and, I agree. And, you know, luckily, Nasser got his, right? He Now, you can never take back what he did. Um, but, you know, that hood time up to 175 years uh, in a prison... Um, will, you know, hopefully, you know, at least help some of these survivors move on. Um, that being said, this thing goes, 
I mean, what has happened so far since this scandal has come out is the United States Olympic Committee basically threatened to decertify the United States America Gymnastics uh, as a federation if their entire board didn't resign. They have since done so. Um, the Michigan State president has resigned, as, long, as well as the athletic director. And the, this could go, like you said, uh, to me in pregame, uh, this, this may go as high as Emmert at the NCAA. Uh, because of we, the, we the haven't story seen, came out yesterday. Correct. That, that he knew as far back, at least as it pertains to the Michigan State football program, uh, of sexual assault uh, claims back to 2010. Um, so and there's, the, there are still a lot of moving parts here. Absolutely. Um, and outside the lines at the mothership did a story on that helped kind of move this Sparty part along that implicated Izzo and D'Antonio, the basketball and football coaches at, at Michigan State, in facilitating a culture of rape in East Lansing. And obviously D'Antonio came out very strongly against and they, you know, I saw the end of the Maryland Michigan State basketball game today, and Michigan State was down huge early, came back and won, dominated the second half. And, you know, Izzo's reaction was not something I had seen before. He, like, he was super fired up after the game, almost like it was a us against them mentality inside of that locker room. And, you know, they were trying to use a two and a half hour window to get away from the scrutiny of the media about something that had nothing to do with what was going on on the court. And my question to you is if it can go as high as the two a could Izzo and D'Antonio be in trouble? I mean, we're talking about two guys that are pretty much respected in their industries as more than anybody else, um, as guys who do it the right way, um, guys who are leaders of men. I get right. it. Um, I will answer your question with this question: Is Rick Pitino still currently employed? Um, <laughs> I, I just uh, no. I, I think right. I th- I think it could. I think if. You know, we you you mentioned earlier in the show, Adrian Payne got waved by the Magic. He his name came up in conjunction with with some of this. Um, I, I can't if if you are uh, if if you're a Spartan, I, and I know a couple of alums, uh, a couple of people I really like and respect a lot, and they're devastated by this. If I think you're going to have to fire him because if, if if you fire one, you're going to have to fire them both. And if you keep one, you're going to have to keep them both. Right. Um, I don't think I, – I, I think if push came to shove and Dino – if Dino resigned 
because he thinks it's in the best system in the university, and it looks that same way for Izzo. I know Izzo would rather would he would quit rather than uh, bring additional pain and and shame to to that university because it's really the only it's the only grown man job he's ever had. You know, um, Izzo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was, wasn't he assistant under Judd? Yeah, when he had the uh, the cookie duster mustache. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I, you I, know, it it, it kind of blew my mind that that report came out from the mothership. But when I started to look at some of the numbers, you know, there's leaders of grown men, and then there's you know, kind of protecting the image of the school and some of the decisions that you make in terms of how you discipline wrongdoers. Um, you can't have 16 guys in your program over the, the course of, I forget how long the study went back, you know, multiple, multiple years that or who get out of any discipline from at any level, suspension from the team, Suspension from the university. Um, I mean, you may even bring in East Lansing, uh, you know, East Lansing police. Uh, you may bring in Michigan State police into this, like, like we did, like we saw down in Tallahassee. Um, you know, there's a systemic problem where, you know, there's so many levels of cover up and and facilitation of a certain culture um, and, and entitlement. That, you know, you could see, you know, wholesale changes in these departments, um, chiefs of police, coaches, you know, of all levels. Um, th this could go on for a while. We, we might not see the end of this for months. Right. And it's interesting you bring up Tallahassee because DeAndre Francois was in the news uh, earlier in the week, last week. He and his pregnant girlfriend got into a uh, alleged DV altercation. Uh, she threatened to not leave his apartment and locked herself in his bedroom and he kicked in the door and picked her up and he tried to get her to leave. He was trying to forcibly remove her from his apartment. No arrests were made, but that will bear watching as well. Um, particularly bad look for them on the heels of uh, famous Jameis hush money. Um, I, I'm going to say this, but if you will do, let me put the coat on this dust. Sure. My thing, my thing with this is twofold. Um, you and I both have a lot of women in our families. And, and, and if we have, you and I have had this discussion, we kind of have the, uh, Sean Connery from the Untouchables thing going. You put one of mine in hospital. I'm putting one of yours in the morgue. Um, <laughs> it's I, it's it's terrible. And secondly, as uh, as we've known, as, uh, it seems like, at least for me, and I can't speak for you. And I know that when I say this, you'll understand this that there are so many men of color involved in a lot of these allegations. It pisses me off um, that if you're a big-time college recruit or player, 
at a power five school that you have to force yourself upon a woman to get physical affection. No real man would do that. And, um, it's hard enough. Uh, it's hard enough to be a, a respected citizen and man of color every damn day. And then there's this subset of us who can't take their heads out of their asses long enough and act like they've got some home training and it just, it, it just pulls everything back. Yeah. You know, we can get a guy elected to two terms as president and we can't not be violent and stupid towards women. That just pisses me off and it has to stop. So if this is what finally brings it to a crashing halt, then that's when it can keep it. All right. Now let's have some fun before we get out. Cause I got to go to work and you should probably hang out with your family and take care of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> yep, unless I want to clean something off the floor. <laughs> right. Um, we've had a lot of fun uh, in these 10 years. Um, if you think about it, we've we've seen uh, the – we've had two Carolina championships in, in basketball. We've had um, the Lakers win two more titles. We saw Boston steal a title because Kevin McHale made a trade with Danny Ainge. Um, we've seen A-Rod retire. We've seen Farr finally retire. Um, we may be seeing the end of the Brady era, for all we know, uh, next week. We've seen, uh, we saw Tiger win on one leg. We saw, we've seen Phil win a bunch of majors. Uh, we've seen a lot of things. We've seen a lot of good. We've seen national championships won by Ohio State. We've seen Nick Saban dominate his sport. Uh, Witchcraft. Only Bill Belichick can understand. <laughs> this last decade of sports, we've seen a lot of great things. We, we made a lot of fun of the tennis. You know, my, uh, my ex-wife, Maria Sharapova, uh, playing again. <laughs> That's from the very first show. That's just for you. That's fantastic. Uh, that, that is um, fantastic. Man, that was a blast from the past. <laughs> Maria Sharapova having an issue. Because um, <laughs> uh, we the first time I did it, for those of you who did listen to our very first show, I was like, can you imagine us in the family box at Wimbledon with Nike hats pulled way down, working on... Uh, <laughs> Working sunflower seeds mm. and Wimbledon <laughs> sunglasses and stuff. And Jeremy <laughs> goes, Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we started this little journey, we never knew. Uh, and every week is different. It's the formula is the same. We use the same recipe. But every week the spices change or the protein changes, and it's it's kind of like a mystery box. It's a two-hour mystery box challenge every week, and, and we make it work. And we found a way, uh, separated by twenty-two hundred miles. And and I I wish that I wish that we were sitting across the table from each other right now. Um, so that you can see my face when I say that I thank you for, I don't know what put you on that bar stool next to me at 9, uh, 45 West King Avenue. 
but we've been at this a long time. And what most people don't know is mo- we have a lot of fun on the show, but the breaks were better. <laughs> that's, that's the crazy part. Like if we would just keep – if I had the guts to just um, keep roll, keep the recording rolling – during the break. I mean, the stuff that we clown about on the breaks is priceless. And, and it, you, you've started to roll it back. Like, Hey, don't, don't, don't use all our good stuff, you know? And, but when we come back from break and we are laughing, it's because something in the break was hilarious. That's not just like shtick. And we just start laughing just, just to bring us back. I mean, it is because we were acting a fool in the, you know, couple of minutes that we had, uh, prior between segments. You know, you brought up something that said, you know, somehow we make it work uh, 2,200 miles apart. The I wanted to touch base on that. The, you know, it, it's been 10 years when I made the decision professionally to move away from, from Columbus and, and pursue um, other opportunities back in Southern California – it would have been real easy for the Robin Mob show to go away, um, but it didn't, and it was because two guys um, made a connection on a bar stool, like you said, ten years ago, and we really enjoyed doing what we do now every couple of weeks. Back then, it was at the beginning; it was every couple of weeks, and then you know we've had some some several month breaks, but you know for the most part. Um, on a regular basis, on a, on a regular basis, um, you know, we, the Robin Mob Show um, gets its clown on um, every once in a while, and, it, and it's fun. And you know, we make light of of sports because it, we we know it's a connection that we have. And you know, the the you brought up that you're a man of color, and I can never understand um what that's like but for me and i think that's why we get along so well i don't even remember that about you um when i'm talking to people about the robin mob show um you know it it comes up in conversation and uh, you know someone will go oh is he you know is he african-american and and i'll be like Hell yeah, he is. I got to have some street cred on the show. Um, but, um, you know, just because just I played hoop in high school doesn't give me enough. Um, but, um, you know, I think we make a great team. You know, I wouldn't trade these last 10 years for anything. I'm looking forward to the next 10 years. Uh, you know, if we could ever get it back where we got, you know, some Ustream and, and some some video going uh, in the middle of this thing, I think that would be cool. And, you know, here's looking to, you know, doing these shows again in person sometime. Um, you know, uh, Cut Above the Rest would be an awesome venue. We got to go back to the, the Ancestral Home, you know, Meisters. I mean, we got to have like a, we got to have a, a, a tour uh, where we do some shows on the road and I need to get well, you out to SoCal and maybe Vegas. Well, we, Tammy actually asked me about that. Uh, and since I brought her up once again, a big shout out to the lives, uh, for making it possible for being on. Right. They, they do so much. And, um, 
we have a couple of big kids between the two of us. Uh, my stuff's a mask, and, and of course, the official tween <laughs> of the Rob Mom Show. <laughs> uh, McKenna's great. We had uh, the last time Jeremy and Marshall were here, we had dinner with uh, the two of them and, and McKenna right after we got engaged three years ago. Yeah. And Jeremy was on the ground floor of my marriage. So <laughs> it was kind of cool. Uh, it, it was. Yeah, I mean, literally, we picked up her ring from having it sized for her that following Saturday. We had we had dinner with them on Monday, and we picked up her ring on Saturday. So we were all betrothed with no with no truck, and now we we call it hand truck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and but I wouldn't trade it either, man. I just I I think under the right set of circumstances, you know, we could have, we could, we could, we could have been huge. Oh, huge. And, you know, there's st- still plenty of time. <laughs> right. Um, there's, there's some stuff. It's, it's so much fun. And I always just think when, when I'm here and sometimes we'll have on uh, 97.1 here, which is the flagship station, of the Buckeyes here in the one floor. And so many of those guys cannot hold a candle to us. I called Jeremy once, um, would have been, I don't know, 2007 or 2008. Or no, 2008 or 2009. It was right after we started the show. And we used to just clown on people and we called it toolboxing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was common man in the Torg in a post game. After a uh, after an Ohio State football game, it's early in the season, because I remember I was going home and the sun was out. And it was really really warm that day, and they said about one school in the Big Ten, and I can't remember which school right now, the exact same thing that we had said two days earlier on the podcast. So I, I hear it as I'm walking past this guy's uh, house. And I get on the phone and I call Jeremy. I'm like, these mothers, they stole our bit. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, come on, man. You said the exact same stuff you said two days ago, which indicates to me that somebody, somebody was listening to us because, I mean, it wasn't just like they said something similar. It was basically word for word. Um, and I'm not saying that we created this whole thing, but some of the stuff that we use, nobody else is using, you know. Exactly. <laughs> nobody. Nobody's nobody says refers to the Cavs as the two one sixes or the LeBrons or the Le old guys, which is the new glossary term. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> the Le got your ass whipped in the twenty seventeen finals. Um <laughs> The Prince. I, right. Of the little three. We I mean, we've had so much fun with that, but Leave it in. It's just I mean Oh wow. That's that's <laughs> unemployed is what we should start calling him oh but, I love that uh, yeah but there, there, there's you know often imitated never duplicated <laughs> and, and it just the the original open of the show the future of sports entertainment around the world I don't know what made that come out of my mouth and every time you use that clip I just cringe a little <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it it's like it's like if I ever saw the first game I did on TV, because they should do high school football and basketball here, and I did Columbus and Rhyme games, I did uh, 
National Women's Football Association game. This was the very first game from September 4th of 1992. I'd probably throw up because I was garbage. <laughs> it's flaming hot garbage. But I was on TV, and, and I thought I was going to be the next Keith Jackson. I've It's actually turned out better because I met you, and this is more fun. And um, the Vegas thing, Tammy asked me about that. Uh, so did McCoy. McCoy's like, you need to come out. And I was like, dude, no, because I'm old, and I'm going to need to sleep. And I'm not going to want to sleep because it'll be Vegas. And then I'll come home and I'll have to explain why I smell like cigarettes and casino. <laughs> no, you don't have to explain. It's you're in Vegas. That's the explanation. And what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You would hope. But anyway, speaking of flaming hot garbage, I need to uh, take the dog out. Um, so, so there is no flaming hot garbage. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's to 10 Man, years. Uh, Let's get 10 more going uh, in two weeks. Uh, we'll review the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll start. I think we'll a couple weeks ago you said we were going to do uh, pitchers and catchers, so we'll actually do some baseball next time, and then uh, we'll we'll ramp up March Madness. Uh, we'll be getting close by then. So, um, anyway, he's Rob Havner. He's Jeremy Lynch. 10 years of the Robin Mob Show. Be good, people. All right. Unlimited love, y'all. Peace.